Welcome to Healing for Healers with Abby Wynn and Regina of the Land. And now a prayer. Father Sky, Grandmother Moon, please bless this healing space. I call on the four directions, the north, south, east and west, to hold us in the energy of love, compassion, beauty, healing, lightness and joy. I invite in the wisdom of the ancestors, angels, ascended masters and star beings to enrich our conversation, inspire us and use us as channels for light, love and healing. I call on Mother Earth, the star systems and all the planets to open the pathways so we may present to you the best, richest information. Have access to the highest vibration of healing energies. And offer what is most needed for those who need it right now. And so it is. And so it is. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing for Healers with Abby and Regina. And we thought we would do a energy check-in for a change where we tap into what's going on in the energies now and have a chat about it. So I'll hand you over to Regina for an introduction into what you feel is going on. Well, hello there, everyone. Well, today, today is the day after... St. Patrick's Day, otherwise known as Paddy's Day, and it's P-A-D-D-Y, not P-A-T-T-Y. <laughs> I had just put that on Facebook. I hate that when they say it's St. Patty's Day. Oh, God, <laughs> I, a, I cannot stand that. But it actually came up out of a conversation Abby and I were having yesterday because it was um, the energies here in Dublin city centre yesterday were quite wild. And it was the birds were going more nutty than usual. And I recorded it and sent it to Abby and we ended up in a conversation and I was saying, oh, well, it's also a combination of things, the time of year. So what I'm referring to is the time of year, like today is the 18th of March, which is in theory the day after Paddy's Day. But I think what I wanted to bring up today is about the equinox, because the equinox this year is on Saturday, which is the 20th of March. Now, what's the equinox? Mm. The equinox marks halfway between the solstices. So it's halfway between winter solstice and summer solstice and it's about bringing in the balance so we have equal day and equal night so it's all about balance equal day and equal night yeah now let's put in the other factor the other factor is paddy's day now the catholic church always had festivals on the back of celtic festivals are what would have been traditionally irish festivals so we don't know who Patrick was. There's so many different stories. Oh, he was Welsh, he was English, he was French, he was everything. But I believe there were two Patricks. There was a Druid Patrick and there was a, a canonized 
Catholic priest called Patrick. And I don't think they were the same, but their memories were melded together. Now, that's just my personal view. I'm not a historian. I'm not an archaeologist. I am just going by what I feel and what feels right for me. That matches, though, mm-hmm. doesn't it, Bridget? The the pagan yes. and Bridget the saint being one and the same. Exactly. Now, you see, this is where so, things get a little bit yeah. more interesting about Patrick because the Patrick's festival is at Balance, which is coming up in the equinox. And it was also about fertility because the land is beginning to waken up. So you can never have a masculine without a feminine in the old ways, because there was always a god and goddess. And, you know, for a king to reign, he had to wed the goddess because the goddess was fertility. So there was apparently a festival over a couple of days, but it was both Patrick's and Sheila's festival. And the Sheila was... (laughs) Mm, That's right. That's what got me to ask you about... I said, no, I think we need to talk about this in the podcast. No, we don't know. Again, because the tradition is oral, things have changed through time, right? It may have been his mother. It may have been his wife. We don't know. But it was interesting that there was both originally being recognised, the masculine and the feminine. And also... There's a belief that that Sheila is somehow connected with the Sheila in a gig. Now, the Sheila in a gig, for those who aren't aware of it, is a statue or a figurine of a female Mm. with um, oversized genitalia and, you know, can have big breasts, long ears. And a lot of times they're in old buildings, but Some people thought, oh, they're like, um, I can't think of the word. Uh, In other words, that there's a fear or there's a negative with them. I don't think so. I think it's very much about uh, the feminine and creativity and fertility. Yeah. Now, the Sheila in a gig is fertility, very much fertility. And it's really interesting because as I was (laughs) saying to you about Patrick's Day and the masculine, and I would usually be posting up about snakes and bring back the pagan and the wildness. And I haven't felt that. I've been feeling about the rise of the feminine. And as we're speaking about Sheila and Sheila and a gig, only mm. the other week I saw that there's art celebrating Sheila and a gig going up all around Dublin in different areas, brand yes. new. And there's a festival of, of the rising feminine. And that's what we're coming into. And so it's balance, feminine and masculine. And it's not a war between religion and (laughs) spirituality. I think it could be a balancing also. I mean, when you're out of balance, it's very plain to see when things are out of balance and they have not been in balance for many, many, many years. So it needs to, not like the seesaw, go totally in the opposite direction before it balances out, but it does feel like there's openings for balance to come in. I like that term opening for balance to come in because that's what our ancestors were tuned into. An example being with lockdown in Ireland that's still in 
happening currently. Lockdown. <laughs> we, we're in yeah. theory, we're not supposed to be traveling more than five kilometers. There's a lot of rules and regulations in place. But traditionally, the place I would be for Equinox would be Schlieffnikali, Lockrew, Old Castle County Mead. The reason being is there is a cairn there, which is a tomb on top of a hill that's got a, a very strong, very strong divine feminine energy in it. And it is associated with, in Ireland, the Kaliok, which is the hag. And that is the pure divine, like the real ancient kick your ass divine feminine energies. Mm. And there at Equinox, that kern is aligned with the sunrise at Equinox twice a year. So twice a year for a couple of days a year, the sun shines into this chamber and then illuminates the back wall of this chamber. And I've been blessed the whole thing. Okay, I've started recording again, so we're going to leave all of this in. I don't know how much of that was caught by you, but we were just kicked out, and that's never happened before. Woohoo! So we, you were talking about the Kaliak and the sun coming into the back of the chamber, and I got an image in my mind of the flower. Yes, that beautiful Which is on the petal. back of that chamber, yes. which is not known to be in many other cairns across the world, in fact. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we were just kicked out. So what did we tap into? This is why we're here. We're here to talk about energies and, you know, those crazy seagulls. It wasn't just local birds. It was seagulls that had flown into the city from the sea that were all going crazy. And I had mentioned to you a primal urge, mm-hmm. primal primal movement, maybe picking up the imbalance as we move towards balance. Possibly, yeah. And I find that it's like as if there's a pressure point building as we build up to Equinox. Well, it's like the pressure point was hit there because you're talking about going to that cairn knowing that we're not allowed to go to these places. So there's a build up there of frustration Mm -hmm. always in the background. Always. And it's partly of what's going on as well. How can we be in balance if we don't feel that we're able to move around? Mm. So... more pressure being created. Exactly. And soon, you know, I hold the vision that we can move around. But at the moment, there are these sites which would have been, you know, amazing pilgrimage sites for which people would have traveled, you know, distances and to attend these. And to stand there Um, I can only talk from my own experience and I've been blessed to travel to quite a few of these sites in different countries at different times. And these are sites that are aligned with the sun. And some of them can be aligned with uh, solar systems, but, and moon energies, but on the one I'm talking about now, because as I'm talking about, my head is going to, oh, what about this one? they're all lining up we'll talk about all of you but not all in the same session i'm afraid yeah in la crew it's interesting for me there is there's a feeling of home there the warriors um as i ascend 
there. And I'm going back over the past so many years, you know, twice a year heading up there. You'd be starting the climb in the darkness. And it's not much of a climb, but like it's it's steep. And, you know, with rabbit holes, it can be dodgy enough in the dark. <laughs> um, and as you're doing it, I'm connecting in with all the ancestors who've gone back over 5,000 years who did the same. Mm. That's the bit that I'm connecting into is how many people have made that same trek over those 5,000 years. So you're making your way up and there's a particular spot. There's the main kern. But up until recently, you were able to get inside. And you were blessed to get inside and you could actually see if we got a clear enough sunrise, you could see the beam of sunshine shining into the current and hitting the back wall. And what is wonderful is there's the celebration aspect of it. You'd see families, you'd see kids in Wellingtons and in their pajamas climbing up, (laughs) right? And it's a it was a family event where people from the locality, you know, would go up there and there's such history about it. But standing there drumming to honour the sunrise, to honour that sun coming up over, and this is where it gets interesting, Patrickstown Hill, right? So the sun rises over Patrickstown Hill and then shines into Schlievenikali, the Hill of the Witch, Loch Crew. And illuminates the tomb. So for every, you know, strong feminine site, there's always a masculine, there's always some sort of a masculine site trying to put a claim or connection with it. So again, it's about balance. But to stand there and just drink in that sunrise. And I use the term drink in, soak up. And I'm drumming. And this drum, if anybody knows, is like powerful. This Mm -hmm. is my big ceremonial drum. And I'm there, but I'm not there. You'll see me embodied, but my mind's gone elsewhere. Like I can't even think what I'm supposed to be saying or doing. I'm just tuning into the energies and drumming. And there are times when I'm drumming like a warrior, like I'm like I'm really heavy. And there are other times where like I'm very feminine with magnificent flowers through my hair and, you know, I'm drumming, but there's a, there's a feminine strength to it. And then there are times where there's, I'm channeling this no, masculine. But you make it sound like women can't be warriors, but they, oh, can, they can be strong warriors too. So it's, you know, not just masculine and feminine needing to be in balance, but the feminine needs to be in balance and the masculine also needs mm. to be in balance. I think we're actually experiencing that as a cultural shift at the moment. When you look at the um, the protests over in England around the death of that girl, yes. where she was killed by someone who was ma- a man who was supposed to be protecting people. Mm. And, you know, we had our Me Too movement, but now what's coming out is much more solidarity in women's voices where people are saying 97% of women have had an experience that they shouldn't have had from a man from being harassed. And the men have started to to, to acknowledge this as well, because it's not all of the men that are doing it. So this is the male coming into balance, the female coming into balance together. And Mm. I think part of the problem as a therapist coming (laughs) at it from a point of view as a healer 
is when we start to tell our story, it comes out garbled. It comes out in bits and pieces and not necessarily in chronological order as we try to make sense of what the story is. And the thing that people don't realize is when you're on social media and you're typing your story, it's still garbled. It still doesn't make sense necessarily. And it could possibly be the very first time somebody has ever told their story, but they're telling it in such a public arena and they're telling it in a way where it's preserved in writing. And people take everything literally instead of giving people plenty of space. Because I know, I know from experience from being a therapist, but also from having had experiences myself, sometimes you have to tell the story a few times until it solidifies and it's, yeah, that's, that's actually what happened. And this is actually how I feel about it. So it doesn't come out where you're accusing someone or fa- you're sounding like a victim or, you know, going through all the emotion and the trauma of it, where you go, no, this is what happened. And so that's part of being out of balance to come into balance. What needs to be healed has to be revealed first. True, but also, you because you'd notice this as a therapist as well, is the processing. Different people process different ways. Like, I'm a talker, you know, in case you didn't gather that, right? I talk, <laughs> I talk to process stuff. So when I'm processing, I'll think about stuff, but I need to talk it out. I need to bounce it. Yes, I need to bounce it around. That's exactly my point. You're bouncing yeah. it around. And when you bounce it, it bounces back in different ways and you bounce it out in different ways. And when you're doing that on social media and you don't know who's seeing it, then it's going to cause ripples and ray and, and, and possible tsunamis. <laughs> yeah. Know. And the mud slinging. And mud slinging. I'm just thinking that the person in history who got the very most complaints ever on ITV was Piers Morgan when he decided Meghan Markle wasn't suicidal and he didn't believe anything that she said. But this is what happens when you tell your story. And I'm pretty sure Meghan Markle had had time to process. There are people out there who don't have the, I wouldn't say the luxury of the resources that she had, but there are people out there who are saying their story for the first time who might not be uh, presenting it to somebody as high ranking, say, as Piers Morgan, but there are plenty of people out there who are ready to shoot everybody down. It's not the place to do it. Not the place to do it. But this is what's happening. So for everybody to take a step back from everything anyone is saying and to give the space for the possibility that people are processing and bouncing their ideas around. Exactly. And that's important because a lot of occasions... I see again, I'm trying to find the right words around it. For me, if I'm putting up a social media post, right, I'm putting up what I feel, what I think. And I will predominantly say what I feel because it is what I feel at that time. And I've noticed a lot on social media that there is quite a culture of attacking. And in other words, well, you don't have a right to feel that way. Now, not me personally, thank God I haven't been on the receiving end of it, but I've witnessed it in others where people are attacking people. But that's, and at times I sort of go, oh, for God's sake, would you grow, would you grow up? Like, you know, that's their experience. That's let them like have. kids in, in, yeah. in, in the yard at school. Yeah. Yeah. Let them have their experience. That's their experience. Who are you to say? And you why know, do that's you feel the need to teach your yeah. way is not the right way for everybody? Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, and I see that more and more. And I suppose that's also part of it is bringing it into balance. 
is uh, tolerance as well. Now, when I just said there, your way is not the right way for everybody, it made me think of the Catholic Church. We're telling everybody that their way is the right way for everybody. And that comes down to what we said earlier about St. Patrick coming in and wanting, you know, I saw the post from Ishnak on Facebook. I had mentioned that to you yesterday. <laughs> yes. Where they said St. Patrick came along, wanted to build a church on in Ishnak. The ruling fab- family said no. So he put a curse on Ishnak lands. Hmm. So then I wrote underneath, well, I'm very glad he didn't get his way because Ishnak is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah. Energetically, for that very reason, it's uh, it and <laughs> sorry for laughing. Putting a curse on this is the side of St. Patrick you don't hear about, you know. <laughs> so, who, who knows if it's true? Who knows if anything's true? I know, but you see, that reminds me of uh, years ago. Um, and this is a regular occurrence actually, where people come to me and say, Oh, you know, I, I, I want to visit some ancient sites. But I don't want any of them to be anything to do with the Catholic Church. They, you know, they can't be anything to do with the Catholic Church. I'm sort of saying, well, sorry, love, but uh, bottom line Ireland. is, yeah, <laughs> it's very rare to actually have a site where a particularly a powerful ancient site where the Catholic Church hasn't, you know, exerted some claim or if they haven't exerted claim, they've exerted shame. Mm, it's funny you say that when I think of one that hasn't and then I think of the Office of Public Works which to me is very masculine and they assert some claim Mm. and tell you where you're allowed and where you're not allowed to go and when you're talking about it's a family day out and the kids in their pajamas and the locals are coming up from the hill and we're Mm. thinking these places are for the people that always makes me frustrated when they put the gateposts up and say you're not allowed in so no the places are for the people True. And in fairness, what I will say is we are very blessed in Ireland access wise compared to a lot of other countries. Right. Like if you think about it, you can rock up to the Hill of Tower any time and go for a wander. You know, there are a lot of sites that you can genuinely rock up to and just go for a wander. There are some like sadly Loch Crew, Shlevna Kelly, at the equinox at the weekend you can't get into the kern. And the reason why you can't get into the kern is uh, over two years ago, I think it was, the lintel stone inside cracked. Mm. So it became too unstable. Now, bear in mind, this is a monument that's there over 5,000 years. So as a result of it being in existence over 5,000 years, there will be a little bit of settling. You know, there will be a little bit of movement and all of that. And there has to be funds to do a proper excavation and to support that structure. So sadly, that site will not, the cairn itself will not be open for many, many years because it had to close because the lintel stone cracked. Mm. So there are times when, yes, places are closed, like um, Newgrange, you know, during uh, winter solstice. Uh, you weren't allowed into Newgrange. But then you look on the plus side of it. They streamed it over a couple of days and every school in Ireland got the opportunity to see it in a way that people weren't aware of it previously. So there are pluses and minuses to all of this. And again, it's about finding the balance and finding what works for you. But to go back to 
you know, if they can't claim it, they can shame it. Some of the powerful places, they put a negative connotation on it, like Schlievnik Kali in Loch Crew. Mm. Schlievnik Kali is Hill of the Witch. The witch it was meant to be a negative connotation. It was meant to be a dangerous place. It was not a place of beauty and lightness and femininity, which it is. But the name says otherwise, and that's where the power is in the name. So it's about calling the name. Yes. And in shamanism, there is a process called dismemberment, Mm -hmm. where you take the energy of something and basically tear it apart and dissolve anything that's low vibrational or of the dark to clarify and clear and bring it into the light. And what's interesting is um, with the name calling of witches and the culture that we're in, all these TV shows about witchcraft and everything. (laughs) I did see something somewhere that said, why are we so afraid of witches? We should be more afraid of the people that burn them. True. I saw that somewhere too. Yes. You know, but that goes for all religions, you know, all organizations, a lot of occasions, You know, it's about tolerance. It doesn't matter who or what you are, just as long as you can live in harmony with the land and with the people, as long as nobody's trying to exert power over one another. That's where I get annoyed. And that's where society's going completely wrong today. (laughs) (laughs) Because I built my house here and the land has to respect me and therefore I'm going to put up all of these things to stop the landslide or to stop the erosion or to stop... The, mo- the earth is always in motion. It's always moving. Mm. People are too attached to thinking that they're in control over something that they don't control at all. Exactly. If the land doesn't want you there, you'll know about it. Yeah. You know, enough things will happen. Enough things will cause issues. Uh, it'll frustration for the builder for the developer you name it things will go wrong and uh, you know a couple of occasions I've been brought in to sort out issues with the land and um, I can just see you now a mediator between people and the land hang on hang on I can't hear what's the land saying be quiet (laughs) listen (laughs) that's that's part of it like I you, you know when I was waking up to my calling I found it. The land just came to me in a way. And I suddenly realized that being on the land for me was the equivalent of, you know, picking up a book. Because you know the way you pick up a book and you flick through, you know, the book. That's the land for me. I walk out in the land and I can go, hmm, yeah, the energy of this. And it's... Oh, yeah, I know. I know because you've oftentimes been out with people who are very familiar with books and they end up validating what's in the book from what you've said or trying to validate Mm. what you've said from what's in the book. But, you know, the land does speak. The land has energies all of her own. And when it speaks through the animals, which is interesting to talk a little bit about animals, um, like the birds, Mm -hmm. the way I, I see it, and sometimes I feel energies at a very, very primal level and to me it's like the warning sign something bad's going to happen you have to run because animals don't settle the way we settle but we're settled so when we feel those primal energies there's nowhere to run to it gets very frustrating so then seeing those birds going crazy hearing them feel you know 
all yeah. that kind of thing. It's kind of kind of interesting. But you see, that's it. Is as well as that, so many people are disconnected from the signs. They are. Uh, our ancestors would have been watching the birds for what they were doing, how they were behaving. They would have been watching the other animals. And what I was referring to was, uh, because I live in Dublin city centre, there's many different types of birds, but, uh, you know, they tend to live in harmony. But yesterday morning, they were ex- at a specific time. There was no uh, common reason as to why all the birds went bananas and were squawking. Uh, like if there had been a massive disturbance or, you know. See the, the disturbance, that's not apparent to human Exactly. There was yeah. a disturbance, but yeah, it wasn't of the visual or um, auric or, or what's the word for hearing? In other words, you auditory. Other, yeah, that's it. But the birds were going nuts and even a couple of dogs chimed in. And you've heard me say that if you hear a dog barking where I am, in, there's in definitely a tourist. But yeah. I have an image now of a photograph or, or there was a video taken relatively recently as well, seeing as we are marking this particular episode in space and time mm. as being taking place in March 2021. But there was a picture of a murmuration of starlings, yes, which looked like one big bird. Mm. But as you zoom in, you see it's made of hundreds of little birds. And yes. the actual murmuration looks like a bird flapping its wings and flying so reading the signs from nature that we're all one. Oh yeah. Isn't that beautiful to you know to look at at what's going on around us and go we're connected so even the signs in nature are there. Oh they are. They're beautiful. And that's it uh, you know there's so many people now with animals uh due to lockdown the amount of dog ownership apparently has gone up. Um and people are connecting with animals in a way they didn't previously. Um, but animals are now becoming, I mean, TikTok stars with their own wardrobes. <laughs> yeah, I saw I one that. recently that has its little nail polish on and, and, and that they dye the dogs different colors because it, they think it looks cute and that's not really good for the dogs. No, that sounds more like a fashion accessory. Yeah. Uh, no, so to know the difference that. between yeah. your dog as an animal and your dog as a fashion accessory, you can see some of yeah, them are not. Animals have a purpose in our lives. Like they, I think they do, because if a dog, if, if you choose a dog as well, the dog chooses you, same as the cat, you know, whatever domestic animal you have, they do choose you. Mm. And energetically, they can work with you. They can... Uh, help you in a variety of different ways. Like even look at some of the dogs which have helped people who, um, you know, are about to have seizures. Yes. Where dogs can predict that. And I think I remember seeing somewhere that they're specifically doing trials for dogs who can sniff out cancer. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that too. You know, I think that's absolutely amazing. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And that's the thing when we build the cities and disconnect from the land, we disconnect from the animals too. You know, we're all driving our our, our cars when we could be connecting in with horses. And, you know, when I like to read fantasy novels, it's they, it always strikes me as interesting that there's really advanced magic in a fantasy book. But the way they live 
is quite medieval. It's very much on the ground. The farmer, you know, brings to a market and you buy direct from the market. There's no supermarkets. Mm. And, you know, it's a much simpler way of connecting. And I realized, you know, recently that that's actually a really better way to live Mm-hmm. Because you're connected to the land, you're you're connected to the weather, the seasons, the forecasts, you're respecting and honoring the resources that you have available to you. And you're eating your strawberries in strawberry season instead of getting them flown over in winter. <laughs> and your carbon footprint, because I saw pictures there of China that they're back to work now and that their emissions are back to what they used mm-hmm. to be before the pandemic. So what have we learned you know, these are questions that we can't answer. We need to take some time to answer them. Mm. I'm going to backtrack on something you said there about the animals and in harmony and in the land. Um, I'll tell you a little story. You know how you like me little stories. Um, this one is about a fox. Uh, because I live in Dublin city centre, I don't, um, there are foxes in the city, um, but any time I would have seen them, it would have been the early hours of the morning. So to see a, so- uh, a fox in the daytime is quite unusual. But foxes, animals can give you signs if you read them correctly. And a few years ago, um, an aunt of mine, who I was very, very fond of, her health was deteriorating and it had come to a stage that she had to be taken to hospital and she may not stay in the house for much longer. And I went up to her house this, she didn't have any children. So um, I, I was the only niece. So basically it's Ireland that falls on me. So there I was anyway, I went up to see her and um, she had been excited over the past weeks that a family of foxes had arrived in her neighbourhood and particularly in her back garden. And she mm. used to love seeing the foxes. And I had never had the privilege of seeing the foxes in her back garden. But this day, uh, this Saturday morning, I went up to see her. And it was actually going to be sad because I was to convince her to go to hospital that day. But I was there and there was a fox, a family, family of foxes playing in the back garden. I went, wow, okay. And this was really fascinating for me in the morning light to see them there in the sunlight. So I parked that lovely view and ended up having to cajole my aunt to take her to the hospital where that morning where I knew she was going to be for many months, which is what happened. But in the meantime, I had to go to that house on a couple of occasions. And I never saw the foxes again, bar one day when um, I arrived up and believe it or not, there was a skull of a fox in the garden. Oh, wow. Right. And I didn't want to leave it there and whatever. I said, right, OK, I take it. And sort it. But my aunt had a, a very strong connection with those foxes and she absolutely loved them. And that was that was over four years ago, four and a half years ago. So backtrack a couple of weeks ago. I'm in the city centre of Dublin and I'm going out for my morning walk. And I can tell you, I can tell you the exact date it was. It was a Wednesday morning. 
And bizarrely, at 28 in the morning, a fox walks up beside me. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, this is rather unusual behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> because this fox trotted alongside me as I walked through the IFSC in Dublin city centre. Which is inside, isn't it? It's an inside yeah. place. Yeah. And it crossed over the road at Bosaris with me into the IFSC. Right. Yeah. Uh, IFSC is the International Financial Services Centre I was walking through. And then this fox disappears off to the bushes. Now, at the time, my aunt had been ailing because she had been in a nursing home. And that was her way of giving me a heads up. Mm. Because I got a phone call the following day and I knew, I knew by seeing that fox that that was really unusual. A fox in the daytime, you know, was really unusual. And it was, it was two days later she passed, but she was getting ready to pass. So she sent the foxes to give yeah. you a warning, yeah. Yeah. And that's part of it is, you know, here am I in the city, in the city centre, you know, but yet there's still wildlife around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, they can still communicate. They can still get their messages across if you're prepared to listen. It's looking for the signs. Yeah. So is there anything else that we need to to cover today just to wind up our energy check-in? With balance, we are looking at well, St. Patrick's Day, which was a very unusual St. Patrick's Day for mm. Ireland where everyone was at home. <laughs> And it was interesting because last year was um, the, the anniversary now of us being a home for a year was mm-hmm. the first St. Patrick's Day that we all stayed home. Everybody was drawing and putting things up in the windows and putting out the bunting. And you could go for a walk around the estate and take pictures of everybody saying happy St. Patrick's Day in the window. And this mm-hmm. year there was bunting out in the green where I live and that was it. So you can see that the people are just tired of yeah. this lockdown. And there was the shamrock. There wasn't even people. There wasn't much shamrock. There wasn't much going on. There were people yeah. outside. But, but you know, it was a beautiful day. The sun was out. We got to be outside for that. So yeah. there's blessings everywhere. So that so there's St. Patrick's Day. Then there's the equinox coming up. Yes. And, uh, and is there anything that anybody can do who's listening for the equinox? Because this will be out now before it or even after it, just to mark the occasion light a candle, say a prayer, what do you what would you suggest? There have a look and see you just, you know, Google Equinox and you'll get the exact time of it. And it'll be lovely if you just at some stage, maybe on Saturday morning, face the sunrise. And face the sunrise with your hopes and dreams for the coming six months. Mm. Because this is the time for fertility. This is the time for, you know, planting the crops. This is the time where you draw towards you what you want for the coming few months. So make a wish for the next few months. Yeah, but don't just like, oh, I want to win the lotto. No, (laughs) you know, like, don't be as flippant or as throwaway. Yeah, it'd be grand, lovely, great if we did. However, you know, Put something a little bit more concrete in place as to what exactly you want. Maybe envisage it, maybe picture it, maybe, 
you know, feel how that feels. Mm. And then ask for any energy in the way of Mm. that to be released. Yeah, to be removed. So you set your very strong intention, give yourself permission to receive it and then release the energy that's in the way. Yeah. So on that note... We would love yous and leave yous. <laughs> um, it's great. I love doing the check-ins because uh, we can be spontaneous. So thanks, yeah. Regina, for, for, for the information. It's very, it's interesting to, to, to tap into what's going on now mm. because I think it's very helpful to know that we're all experiencing fluctuations and changes and we're all heading towards balance, but we're certainly not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet we're and that things are, 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 you know, I, I keep seeing the seesaw like you see in the child's <laughs> um, playground it's going one way or the other what do they say swings and roundabouts so to just take a step back from everything and disconnect from any crazy energies that are at either side mm. of the, the edges of the balance and bring yourself into balance and as if if you do as much as you can to the listeners to bring yourself into balance and then that ripples outwards from you, then that's very helpful for everything. Mm. We come back to that big murmuration of starlings where the one is in balance and the all is in balance and the all is in balance brings the one into balance. So we'll leave there. Thank you very much. And uh, until next time. So long. If there's anything in this podcast that triggered you, upset you, or stimulated you to want to know more if you've got questions or if you have anything at all that you'd like Regina and I to cover on the show please write to us the email is healingforhealerspodcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time